0: hi it's adrian here i want to share with you something really exciting i've just recorded a series for the aia austin texas their homes tour which comes up at the end of october now this is a tour where you can register and go and visit these amazing homes I've recorded each of the architects and they've told us about the journey through the home and in it, there is just so many wonderful little nuances that they share with you. I encourage you to listen. I encourage you to go on the tour and thanks for being a listener on Talk Design. My guests on Talk Design today are part of the AIA Austin Homes Tour group of architects. Now in this series, we're going through all the homes that are going to be presented on the 2023 AIA Homes Tour. This is one of the most amazing tours that you could ever go on as a homes tour. There's so many incredible houses that people open up. And when I say people, it's their home. They open it up to the public to tramp on through and have a look at the incredible architecture of Austin. We were just having a a little chat before we started, and we're just saying how Austin has such a high level of architecture, and it's not a huge town, and it's got enough architects. There's plenty of architects there. And what this does is it really raises the bar on great architecture. So in going to the homes, this one in particular, is Descendant House and there's a really cool reason why it's called Descendant House and Matt Ficus and Sarah Johnson so from MF Architecture Matt Ficus Architecture are going to take us on a little journey through the home and give you some insights to it so Matt and Sarah welcome to the AI series. Wow. Thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Look, it's an absolute pleasure. And this is a really cool home. This is really, it's really modern. And uh, I love the story behind it. So I'm going to let you guys kick off with the client brief, if you want. And then, you know, take us on the journey. I'll let you guys go.
1: Absolutely. This is a family that had owned this property for many years and had been trying to figure out what they wanted to do on this property There are multiple generations involved in this project. So there is a mom and dad, kind of the middle-aged primary owners of the home. They have a young son. And then there's also her parents, uh, so the grandparents. And so this was very much a family affair and, you know, hence the name Descendant House. And, you know, they would be coming together in different ways to live in this home and to live on this property. And so that was very much a driver of the design and of things for us to consider. The site itself is an incredible site, but it does have its challenges with some big payoffs and rewards. So it is on a very steep slope and it's got some beautiful tree coverage and canopies. It has a creek uh, running through the base of the site, but with it also has uh, a fair amount of for soil conditions. And so, you know, along with it came an erosion hazard zone, uh, which meant some special attention to foundations and where the building was going to sit on the site. And then also just a fair amount of program then with that kind of limited occupancy on the site and how that program would stack up and connect to the different layers of the site. they. You know there's unique opportunities within all of those varying conditions and how do we connect to and integrate was an important aspect
0: I love that I love that I love the fact that most people don't even consider you know you, you they buy a piece of land and you're talking about the soil type and you know what it's going to take to hold a house on the hill for starters and then you've got all the environmental issues that you've got to work around as well. I often think that with a home, the land is the first informant, even though the client thinks they are the land is the first informant or with any building. and then once you've got past what the land's allowed to do and what you can do with it, then you've got the client and then it's like how do you go forward with that piece to make it all work together And so that little journey there with it being a multi-generational home, was that you know like was that always their intent? was that the for the place?
1: It was it it was designed and intended I think to be the primary residence for the the family with the son and that the in-laws would travel in frequently to stay Uh, but I think they believed as the in-laws got older that eventually they would all be living there together full-time so that was that was certainly the premise. In fact, in our design meetings, we had the entire family at times. Oh, wow. And it was it was fascinating. You know, that's another unique challenge of an architect is to sit in these meetings with these clients having intimate discussions. And we were amazed by how, you know, they had different opinions and different ideas, but they really were deferential to each other and respectful of one another and respectful of our opinions and our take on what they were asking for. So it was a fantastic experience that could have been a recipe for disaster
0: I, I i so often you know people you hear that you know architects are marriage counselors as well and <laughs> certainly the journey of designing a home and a, a multi-generational for sure brings out all aspects of the community their community and their relationships and you know formed opinions and you know all these pieces and to do that successfully is one thing to give the client an amazing journey through this and they're on a journey of discovery while you're on a journey of discovery they're on a journey of discovery they don't know this stuff about themselves or about each other yet either it must be quite cool when you've got them all in the same room at the same time especially now it's built and they're all using it
2: that's right and that is one of the fun challenges is beginning to engage in that process and we often say that you know as architects really we're offering a process rather than a product and we understand that the stakes are high for most families this is a large investment and in mm-hmm. maybe perhaps the biggest of their lives potentially And so we, we take that seriously and understand that there are a lot of knowns a, a lot of unknowns and you know even unknown unknowns mm-hmm. along the way yeah. And we're a participant along the way to help help us all get on the same page in terms of what the goals really are, what are the priorities. There are always compromises in, in any programming exercise as well as design exercise. And so that is one of the fun aspects is getting to know the clients and try to understand them all to be able to provide a design that can suit their functional needs as well as aesthetic interests. And so uh, and that all goes in in line with what you're saying about the site being a large informant as well. All of those things factor in to allow us to uh, go along that journey together and arrive at something that hopefully at the end feels as though it always belonged there and doesn't and and therefore has a certain bit of timelessness to it because it does take the site seriously but also functionally does operate. And so that absolutely is a, is a, is the case with with all of our custom house designs, but especially in this case, when there was a larger family dynamic involved and a few more vo- voices involved. And it did feel as though, again, the stakes were just were even just a little bit higher to, to try to make sure everyone was happy uh, with the final design.
0: Yeah. I, when I look at multi-generational homes, I love what you were saying there, you know, like you're taking the worthiness of the site, and, and trying to do that. And then the worthiness of the family and in a multi generational home, chances are sometime in the future, that house will still be in the same family when, you know, the grandparents are gone. Mm-hmm. And then what happens to that home? How does it operate then? And the, the relationships that are formed and the, the memories that are formed in that space. And then the space will interact maybe with another new family in that whole place as, as it sort of tears around. And uh, I think that's a, a piece of brilliance and then giving people enough of their own privacy and enough of their own separation in this space is really cool as well. It's like, so take us on the journey of this beautiful home that is Truly beautiful home and truly beautifully finished as well. Take us on a journey, if you could, from I don't know where, where if you were coming on tour, which I'm sure you will be, you'll be like everybody else. You'd be parked somewhere in the street and mm-hmm. uh, then you'll be walking towards the house. And yeah, I'd love you to take us on a journey and tell us where the client's brief collides with the design along the way. I shouldn't sure. say collides. That sounds a bit wrong. Expresses, expresses. It, expresses, yeah, yeah. It influences, it, influences it absolutely. Yeah, influences and expresses it. Yeah. Well, it's
2: located on Balcones Drive, which is an interesting mm-hmm. street in the sense that it it's not a very large street and it's it's fairly windy, but it has a decent amount of traffic, and as a result, it, it's it's sort of somewhere between being a sleepy little road and being a, a larger thoroughfare. And depending upon the time of day, but Mm. what that what that means for the approach is, you know, uh, uh, everyone. The only way to approach the houses is from Balconies Drive, which is a it's a a very leafy street. There are a lot of trees on the street, which, in many ways, cloaks many of the houses that Mm. exist there. And so, as you drive along that street at a driving pace, it's very hard to notice a lot of the houses, especially on. Um, the uphill side, which is where uh, the descendant house is located. So the first sense, whether by foot or by car, uh, from balcony's Drive, um, the house is very unassuming. And it's almost not present until really getting off of the road and onto the driveway. And from the driveway, it began, the, the lower level begins to present itself a little bit just underneath the canopy of the the, the heritage oak trees. Mm-hmm. And the, the progression from there then goes across the creek that is on the site. The small creek is a small bridge that goes over the creek. Oh, wow. And then it ascends up to the house proper. And so as one navigates up, either for most of us will be by foot up that, up that driveway, more of the house begins to unfold and reveal itself and you begin to see beyond the first floor you begin to see the cantilevered second floor and another masonry volume that's an important part of anchoring those together begin to reveal themselves and so as as one moves up you begin to see that it's it is a little bit uh, that there is a decent amount of a volumetric mass for the house. At the same time, it's articulated and broken down into these different forms, which are in alignment with the functional parameters, the brief the client provided in terms of having two primary suites. And you know, those each have more or less their own zone. And then a guest suite which has its own zone. So the 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 grandparent suite is the is the the wood and glass volume that's also connected to the kitchen, living, dining, the more common areas. All of that needed to be on Generally, the the ground floor level where the motor court is for accessibility reasons, mm-hmm. and and then the the masonry volume intersects with that, and uh, containing again more of some of the utilitarian zones and the, the, the guest function, and then above that is the the middle generation primary suite and the 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 kids suite in a, in a stucco volume floating above that then connects back to the back of the lot. so so upon arrival those begin to present themselves and you begin to understand uh, the overall composition and the entry becomes apparent as a, a void between the intersection of each of those different volumes. And so there's there are a series of steps that lead up to the, the proper entry and and there's an overhang that defines a bit of that entry in addition to the void. And upon entering the house, there's a, a large mass, a sort of an anchor or a fulcrum at the center of the house that's uh, clad in blue. And, and that becomes a really a, a effectively a, a very solid core of the house where we've consolidated a, um, a lot of back-of-house functions, including the, the coat closet and the, the powder room, the pantry, the back of the kitchen, uh, some other storage. Are all consolidated there, as well as the staircase that connects up to the upper floor. So it becomes this anchor and fulcrum in the center of the house, which allows us to open up everywhere else uh, to a lot of um, a, f- a fair amount of, of glass um, to be able to look out to the tree canopies. So as you navigate around that blue core volume, you, you move through the living room and kitchen and dining room, all you know, bathed in dappled light that's coming in th- through 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 the tree canopy that exists, and then toward the the grandparents' primary suite, which is on that level toward one end of the property. And then, when moving up through that blue core and the staircase up to the upper level, one arrives at an open area, more of a a, a flex informal. A living area for the younger two generations to, to share that becomes a, a spacer and a bit of a, a bit of a, a buffer uh-huh. between the children's bedroom and the the parents' bedroom. From there the parents bedroom is a uniquely positioned so having that that parents bedroom the primary suite one level above the ground floor is atypical typical typically mm-hmm. the, the, a prim, a, the 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 there's a singular primary suite and it's on the ground level. In this case, it's elevated partially due to the fact that we were constrained with the footprint of how we operate on the lot, in terms of the soil conditions, but also because the parents' generation they wanted to have direct access to an upper to an organic garden that's on an upper shelf, an upper terrace. Oh wow! The entire lot, yeah. Cool. And so, and that's a big that's something that's a big part of their lives is cultivating, growing, and being able to even just see that from their bedroom, having a, a deck level that directly connects them to that. And so there is, they always have different things sprouting throughout the year and they have a small greenhouse. They're also beekeepers. And so they have uh, beekeeping as another component of, of that. So, so there were some interesting things with the brief that, in that we thought were a really fun challenge to be yeah. able to organize each of those zones And in in doing that, we also tried to create some different volumes and planes that would allow for some privacy uh, somewhat between uh, the different components of the house, because that was one of the interesting challenges by having three generations in the same house. It needed to be part of an overall ensemble and connected, but also have a bit of their own space as well. Uh So part of the way that we thought about the different planes and volumes was to try to give some privacy between each of them, as well as from adjacent neighbors, which aren't too far away on either side. So even though it's a bit of a descent, and again, therefore, descendant house to do with the generations and the slope descent down to the street, the neighbors on either side are are fairly tight. And so we had to think carefully about how to provide some privacy for those those
0: various zones. Yeah, there's a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. <laughs> that was brilliant. Tell me about the organic garden and, and the beekeeping. I think that would be really an interesting thing for people who come to the house to consider this you know, modern structure sitting there actually has something as earthy as that as an anchor for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. These clients from the get go, that was that's something that they had factored into where they were currently living and something they were very knowledgeable about. Um, And so we knew that would be a part of the program. And honestly, you know, we didn't have to convince these clients to factor in landscape and the importance of the site. They were very excited about that. And we talked about, you know, where a garden might be best. Um, Like Matt said, a large part of the property is covered in tree canopy and just doesn't Mm -hmm. lend to gardening. And so, you know, early studies definitely factored in, you know, here's a nice sunny spot. This would work to grow these types of things and these types of things. And so that was that was a big part of the site strategy, um, as well as the beekeeping and uh, the proximity to the house uh, and that sort of thing. So, and now the whole property is really their kind of playground. I mean, yeah. they every time you visit, they're doing different experiments or trying to grow something new or seeing you know, and they've got so many different climates within the site to work within that it's just like a laboratory for them for the whole family to participate yeah. in.
0: I think as, as visitors to the house, this is something to really, you know, take, take thought of and hold in your mind as when you arrive, like from that moment of that, there's a, there's a landscape here that has its challenges, A for the steepness and B for the tree cover. And then that this is like a laboratory of organic garden and how it interacts with the house, as well as it's not just like a farm out on the side. It's actually the house is part of it. It's the house integrates into it and it comes back into the house, which I think is really, really incredible and not something that you would often be asked to do. Like you said, often the challenge can be to get people to consider the landscaping because they're spending such a considerable amount on the house. When you designed this home, was it pre-pandemic?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Yes, right. and yes, that's right. And it, and it finished construction pre-pandemic as well. Act interestingly, I would say. Like, even I, mean, I remember doing photography at the house in mid-March 2020, which was right when the lockdown was starting. So, yeah, I, I recall. Does that sound right, Sarah? I believe that was the case. So, yes, it was a pre-pandemic for the design and the construction. So. Uh,
0: then yeah, go ahead. Oh well, I was going to yeah. say so. They literally got to move in. That's right, and then get told to stay.
1: Yes, so, that's right.
0: So they really got to test a the house and yeah. some of the most. I'm going to say extreme circumstances, just restricted circumstances, as in the rest of what they could do, and uh, they got to live with that landscape and and you know curated it from there which would be a real milestone marker in, you know, their lives of how the house reacted to them and how they reacted to the house. That would be an interesting conversation. So once we get to, tell me some dwell points about the house. So when I say dwell, I mean like you've walked up the driveway, you're coming around and where that you go into the motor court. Tell me from there, like Positions to stand, things to look for. If I was to just pause, where would be a really cool place to pause and then look for that where maybe the cantilever is working or how the hole reveals something? Because there is an incredible amount of thought in this piece of architecture that uh, I'm sure nothing's been missed in the sense of how the house reveals its landscape and the landscape reveals to the house.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say briefly that I think as one is experiencing this project, you know, to stop and appreciate the building before you get to the front door. And remember what that felt like from, you know, standing at the earth level and looking up to it. And then once you move into the house, look back the other way. It's a very you can feel yourself as you move up this house, you can feel yourself kind of moving. It's like a, a museum of like how to traverse sectionally through, through the landscape. And you have very different feelings on the site. When you're, when you're outside and you're down below and you're under the tree canopy and you're looking up at the building, to then getting into the common space where you have that dappled light and you're now looking at the tree canopy and down great. But even then when you come up the uh, blue fulcrum into the second floor living space, all of the light is coming from above. There are no, at this point you see no tree canopy. All you see is blue sky. And so there are some very intentional moves of kind of your focus and helping you understand physically where you exist sectionally within the project. And for me, it's really getting to, you get so many different environmental experiences, even within the building that that's really special on this property.
0: So the, this property. the piece about coming up the staircase and there is no kind of view out, but there's a view up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this is worth taking standing at some point on the staircase and just, Don't fall down the staircase while you do it, if you're listening, but just take the moment to have a look up and see how this organization is is giving you all your light from above. And it does create some incredible light down through the home, which I've seen in the photos.
1: Yeah, really, that second floor living room, I think, is where you experience the most kind of lifted you have no choice but to look up or to appreciate the light or just the blueness of what's coming through the, both the skylights and the clear story windows. And like I said, that's a very unique experience to that space than any other space in the house.
0: Mm. Mm. Take me through the different materials that you used in the house. And what the meaning of each piece of those were, you know, from the stucco to the millwork, work, et cetera.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, we there's a fantastic diagram that hopefully you all see at some point that explains this well. But yeah, there is a there is a specific materiality to these different spaces and to the way things are organized. You know, there is this kind of wood and glass structure, like Matt said, on the first floor, and that indicates a public zone. It's very open. You can see into the space from outside. You can see out from inside. And that designates where people come together. It include, And it also designates the grandparent suite, which is a little more clad than some of the open spaces. Um, you also experience the masonry, which is a, a brick. I'm sorry, the, the wood I should mention is a is a, a whitewashed cypress, mm-hmm. and then the masonry is a a black brick, an elongated brick, and so it's something that's familiar to you know a home, but it's it's a a different take on a very traditional material, and that indicates thresholds it it separates, it opens, you move through it. Uh, you move through it as a guest when you're parking in the carport and you come through and, you know, an exterior separation, that material, but also in the everyday experience where the homeowners are parking in the garage, they also proceed through that threshold. And so everyone gets to experience the main entry of this home, which is something we find exciting when we're able to achieve that. It's not it's not an entrance that isn't used or experienced by the owners. It's something that they get to walk into every day um, from their procession.
0: I, um, I think that's a really important factor is not every house can it happen. And mm-hmm. a, if you can do it in the design and the the owners or the the occupants of the house get to experience a journey of that, they don't just shuffle in through the mud room or through another part of the house. They They arrive at their entrance and maybe from the side of it, not the front of it, or wherever they that, but they arrive at their entrance as well. Otherwise, the guests are the only ones who ever really get to do it, you know, because there's the comings and goings of the day to day. They get they miss that piece because it's not they're in through the back behind it or something like that. I think it's a really cool point to. Stand in there and go. Oh, okay. So this is where they come from. This is where we come from. This is how it looks for them as well. I love the fact that the brick, that masonry brick, continues to. I want to say inform a a message that you're you're transitioning. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge. It's a huge indicator, and and even as guests, little experiences at the tour, they walk to the front door you know, they, they walk in alongside it and they can see that material come in through the building. You know, you're immediately greeted, like Matt said, with that blue fulcrum. And we imagined this piece of millwork that was very extensive from the beginning. And we, we had different kind of, I think we always thought of it as something fun and and different to the rest of the really subdued materials mm-hmm. and the clients, they have just a fantastic amount of playfulness to complement a really refined taste. And you know, again, keep in mind we're we're looking at multi generations. We have a young child that's living in the space, and we have maybe more traditional generation and and so I think the richness of both the maturity of the building and the materials but also the playfulness and that blue color
0: yeah why um, the blue tell me why blue why didn't it end up green or yellow or orange or you know th- there's a lot of colors why blue
1: yeah you know I don't it, it, it correlated with a tile in the backsplash of the kitchen we, we think we all knew it would be a color and blue was certainly on the table for for some reason And then we, we, the clients found a tile for the backsplash that had a lot of meaning to them. And you'll see lots of hex patterns within the house, subtle, subtle suggestions of this playfulness on beekeeping. And, and so that blue worked really well with that, that tile of the backsplash. And, you know, we kept, I kept thinking that they would back down from that because that blue, it travels, you know, it's not just, okay, we're, we're fine with this in the kitchen. They had to be fine with it in the family room. They had to be fine with it in the entry. They had to be fine with it in the primary suite upstairs behind their bed. But I kept thinking at some point they're going to break that. <laughs> yeah, down down some point pain. they're going
0: to go no more blue.
1: <laughs> right. And they're they're going to make us kind of break the pure architectural the diag- logic. The, diag- the diagram. The diagram
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: And
1: they, they didn't. And so the house, you know, it's got this fantastic blue. And I'll say too, you know, some of the family pieces that they were bringing into this home, the furniture, you should take note of that when you're there. Beautiful pieces, very traditional, very ornate. And to see how these pieces work within this space is fantastic. And and we knew that some of that would be coming with them and in this home. And it's just, it's a, it's kind of like a gallery of these different pieces and from different times of history and Their life and as it's evolved, and so uh, that blue fulcrum, that blue color, gets to be a backdrop for many different experiences in the house. Um, And then, lastly, the the stucco volume, the white stucco. Again, I think it seemed like a subtle uh, choice. And as you're looking up to the sky, as the building is moving upwards, it seemed like something that was light and airy that would almost kind of disappear. or blend in with its surroundings and so um, it's it is just a a white um smooth stucco that also receives that um dappled light um and can kind of change over the course of the day or the season
0: if you had to give me a time of day be careful doing this because we might end up with you know 4,000 people (laughs) on the driveway let's take that it's going to be a beautiful sunny day in uh, late October and. If you had to give me a time of day, what do you think would be the most amazing time of day to see the house? Yeah, it's a, it's
2: a great question. And there's not a singular definitive time, but I, I will say that in the, the a.m. hours, yeah, you get more of the dappled light coming into the common areas and, and which are on the downhill portion of the house, the, the approach. Um, so it tends to be a little more illumination there in the, the pm hours there tends to be more illumination in the garden and of the primary suite in that back portion of the property and then i would say mm-hmm. more midday you're getting more of the more of the intensity of the skylight illumination in the center of the house sure so i would it's, it, i would say it it varies throughout it just but uh it certainly is different throughout different times of the day and as sarah mentioned there's some intentionality to that as well to create microclimates both for The internal environments as well as the external environments, different plantings to try to create a bit of of variety. So it's not, there's not a singular time that is the the definitive time to go. But I would say that there is just more dramatic lighting for obviously the eastern part of the house, the front of the house during the morning, more of the center of the house during the middle of the day, and then later in the evening toward the, the back uphill part portion of the property.
0: So as listeners are, are listening to this or when they're planning their journey or just, if you're like me, I go and see every house. So you're not quite sure. It's, it's more a, a Google Maps challenge
2: yeah.
0: than it is anything else is to get to see all the homes. But consider what you're seeing in this house because in the morning, like I'm saying, this house is full of dappled light, just and it's in the tree canopy, and it's going to be a completely, not completely different, it's going to have a whole different feel than it would in the late afternoon when the garden's going to be coming alive, and you're going to see a lot more of that. One of the things back to the blue, because when I was going through the photos and stuff, and I went, oh, it's a beautiful soft blue that's very calming in its nature as well. And so because it keeps engaging you through the home, it keeps kind of centering you in that calmness it's Mm. got a really there's and and it's a space of movement because of the staircase as well and i think that it's it's fabulous and that's one of the things i love to ask about these these things for is, is it's fabulous to expose how much consideration is given to everything like absolutely everything. And that little tie back to looking out for the hexagons that show up through the home because that's a little nod to the beekeeping. These little magic pieces that are woven into the fabric of the architecture for the occupants as opposed to just to be pretty. Yes, they're pretty. Yes, they engage. But there's actually a storyline that engages the occupants in their day to day living as well, I love that. it's so thoughtful, and that's what makes it you know a custom home along the way for certain people you know for a certain family mm-hmm. um if you had to give the house a um a sense of different emotions in the spaces, and you did this a bit, Sarah, when you were talking about going through the different parts and how it feels. I'd love to dig into because for everybody it will feel different. How that informs, like when you're talking with your client on this particular home, how you were like, okay, so how do I make the space of community and stuff at the top where it's open and it's you know it's light, it's timber, it's glass, it's all these things, the feeling that it's giving, and then what kind of emotions that draws up. Have you got anything on that?
2: Uh, yeah, I. What I will say is, we talk internally in our design process a lot about dichotomies, about balancing between things that might be seemingly disparate. So things like light and dark, mm-hmm. or being uh, heavy and light, or solid and void, or rough and smooth, refined and a little more rugged or earthy, and and we're often trying to uh, compose those things. And it's never it's never a singular. Extreme of just a binary. oh this house is all about heaviness, or it's all about lightness. The only way that you can define create a lightness is by having some heaviness. So, or the same thing in terms of light, light and dark, in terms of you know, illuminance And so I would say that there's an intentional diversity uh, across the house in terms of some heavier materials. So, for example, when we've talked about this masonry, this brick mass that becomes a threshold or a portal between the, the front and back of the house. That allows for both. It has a certain heaviness to it. And so when we think about the, the feeling or mood mood out of it, a certain heaviness to it, but then allow it once you move through that mass, it then opens up to some lightness and some relief. And so there's this compression and release that happens from that. And then a similar thing with much of the other components in terms of whether it's natural you know, natural materials, we've mentioned the wood, the wood, for example, as opposed to stucco. And and those and the stucco becomes a foil to allow the wood to, to sing and vice mm-hmm. versa. Those two things. And so I think there are a variety of different feelings that one can, can get throughout different parts of the house. And, and another version of this would be um, you know, tucked away intimate spaces versus more open prospect views in prospect spaces where they're a little more on display. And it, I think that, uh, you know, we think that the best architecture is, incorporates both both of those things, and, you know, both um, in terms of public, private, solid, void, light, and dark, uh, and tries to offer a variety of those. And then often within that, even throughout the course of the day with, um, with the same individual, there's, you're sometimes more comfortable in one, one zone versus the other, where it has to do with thermal reasons and light reasons. Or just as things change up the day, whether whether it makes more sense to be in a and you know tucked into a nook to read a book for a while, or to be out in the open, and uh, in, or inside or outside. And that's another thing that we are <clears throat> indoors and outdoors. And in a lot of ways, we think about architecture as um, an enabler to allow you to experience something something else, and and often that has to do with framing views framing relationships to the outdoors. So it is about connections of indoor spaces, but also connections to the outdoors. So I think there are intentionally a lot of different experiences and and feelings one might get when navigating through the house. And and we think that's important for any house design to have that variety to allow people to change. And the same thing happens like throughout the day that the seasons of the year, there are certain you know spaces and zones that are activated more or less. Uh, certainly, that for the garden, that's the case in, in terms of the garden being a little more active certain times of the year than other times of the oh. year. But also, there's an intentionality of trying to even when I mean the hope is that even when the weather isn't great outside, that you're still able to capture a view to the outdoors. Maybe there's not a physical connection to the outdoors, and you're not opening up all the you know sliding doors to the outside, but you're able to still have a relationship and a connection to the outdoors. So it's, there there are a variety of different feelings. And I think that one can begin to observe those intentional contrasts that we've set up to to allow Mm. an understanding between those different, again, seemingly disparate things. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that was a beautiful description of the thought and the planning and how this house actually, when you're in it, like how it breaks open into all those spaces. Guys, I'm so looking forward to seeing the house, and thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us about it, and let's hope that we have an absolutely fabulous weekend there, and people get to just take that breath as they come up the driveway and let the house reveal, and then look through those different pieces of the home And enjoy the blue staircase, or the blue. (laughs) Thank Thank you so much. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Descendant House. This is by MF Architects, Matt and Sarah. And again, an amazing home, very modern home. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a really special house. And yeah, multi generational home as well, which I think was really interesting. So tell me your experience of this one because this one's below the road, correct?
3: It's above, actually. It's up on a hill, and so you see it. But there's there's this beautiful tree filled sorry you're lawn, right and then right. you walk, you go up to it. it makes it very difficult to photograph. Like yes, that. but it has this wall of windows you know, very different from Cross Cabin, but similar in the same way. And we were there, we arrived in the morning and the the living kitchen dining space, you know, all interconnected kind of one space has this wall of windows that just has this beautiful view to these green trees and the oaks or I don't know, these, you know, beautiful leafed out trees and the morning light is just flowing through. And it was just, it was great. We arrived and we're kind of talking. I was like, oh, I, ha- I need to start taking pictures right now <laughs> um, because the light was just so, so great coming in that. And just that, that view was really lovely to be, you know, in town, but then have this like basically forested view that you're
0: looking at. And yeah, quite it a was connection a big... with the site.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah yeah very much and then th- because it is a hill the house is up on the hill but then the back becomes flat and they've you know interconnected with a bunch of the homeowners garden quite a bit and i think uh-huh. they were keeping bees in the back and yeah um, and all of the gardens and the way it was it was really lovely and you know seemed like exactly what the homeowners were looking for in that in that way uh-huh. um, But yeah, it was a, it was a great one. And then different materials use, which I really liked. And that was, it's part of, it's like different materials for the different like generations. Generations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The way the light flowed through between the stucco and the wood. And then there was this beautiful dark brick, um, which was, which was fun to look at through the viewfinder and, you know, play with and try to show those connecting
0: at different points. Yeah, I'm looking at your photos as we're talking, and I can see exactly what you mean. I think you captured it beautifully with it, Thank like you. really, really, really beautifully. And I do remember when I was talking to the architects, this thing where the house is really hard to view because of the mm-hmm. the, the driveway and mm-hmm. uh, and coming up the driveway, and the house kind of reveals itself it does but not all at once and not Mm -hmm. so that you can stand back and get a single photo kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah the
3: main where yeah down here yeah the main entry is kind of off to the side and so we just you know that was kind of our night our night hero shot a bit but then this also this big back deck with the in the garden area Mm. was nice and then in in june and we're having you know incredible heat, so it's it's not a time for gardens to be looking beautiful but but it it's a great space
0: this house is um this house is very much uh, about its garden as well that was one mm-hmm. of the other things it was uh, they love to garden like hugely mm-hmm. and um one of those things that the house delivers back to the occupants is the garden and so whilst you're photographing a house. That just as important to the owners as the garden. Probably more important than the house. It's like they exactly. Their lives and I are can't around imagine
3: that. how how good that's gonna look and how fun it will be in the fall, you know, oh, yeah. when
0: the tour. Yeah, just true. You know, yeah,
3: I yeah. think it'll be yeah. It'll have it's
0: shifted again. Go mm. Yeah. Awesome.